On the 25th of January 2019, Capcom released one of the most anticipated games of that year, Resident Evil 2, the remake using modern RE Engine more than two decades after the original Resident Evil 2 was released. The opening scene starts on a trucker driving his truck listening to late night radio. The trucker hits a person. The trucker got out of his truck to see a lifeless body on the road, which turns out wasn't just a body. Then a hard cut to the protagonist of the game, rookie cop Leon Kennedy. He stops at a small gas station to fill up his car. around then that's weird zombies 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 everywhere he runs into another person Claire They get into Leon's car and head into Raccoon City. What the hell is going on? I don't know. Hopefully they'll have some answers at the police station. Wait, you're a cop? Yeah, Leon Kennedy. You are? Claire. Claire Redfield. Live around here? No. I'm looking for my brother. He's a cop too. Well, it's a good thing we found each other. I don't know what to expect anymore. Two of them drive into Raccoon City, unimpeded. On their way in, they see nothing but ruins. Empty cars, burning buildings. The whole city has been decimated. I remember my response to this opening scene, which is similar to my response to most video games of this genre. I was a bit puzzled. Uh, I'm not going to comment too much about the logical inconsistencies. I am not CinemaSins, but I do want to comment on the elephant in the room. Neither Leon nor Claire knew about these zombies, it would seem. Does no one outside of the city know about this zombie outbreak? Were there no travel advisory or, hey, there's a massive zombie outbreak in Raccoon City, don't visit from the federal or state government? Attention all citizens. Due to the citywide outbreak, 
You are advised to take shelter at the Raccoon City Police Station. Free food and medical supplies will be provided to everyone in need. How big is your police station? Wouldn't it be more appropriate for the place of shelter and quarantine to be a hospital or gym or a stadium of some sort? Also, I need you to understand the visual that's happening right now. When this announcement was being played in the background, the city is hopelessly decimated and overran by zombies. Who is that announcement to? On top of that, when you get to the police station, there is no one there. Oh my god, this is so Thank you, Claire. It is unreal, not because of the zombie, but seemingly this city's government just does not exist. Is there no attempt to quarantine or lockdown? If there is a lockdown, they aren't doing a very good job because Leon and Claire just sort of drove into town no problem. Did they even try to identify the infection or the modality of its transmission? Did they try to, I don't know, identify the source of the virus or do any sort of contact tracing? The city has a police department, but it sure looks like it doesn't have a public health department. Was there even an attempt to evacuate survivors when things got out of hand? Also, it's not like this zombie thing occurred instantaneously. This was multiple days since the initial outbreak. The entire city is zombified. And you're telling me no one knows about it? Now, the reason for this that the game implied was that the evil mega corporation behind the zombie virus outbreak was trying to do a full cover-up of the situation but if that's the case, they are doing a terrible job because the whole city is in a apocalyptical ruin. You could probably see the absolute destroyed state of the city from satellite images. It was that bad. This is not the case where there's a few people turning into zombies and Umbrella is trying to keep things under wraps. So they sent out a team to identify those zombies and pull them off the streets. No, the entire city has turned into zombies. Also, if there is an attempt to keep things under wrap, we certainly don't see it. Again, Leon and Claire just sort of drove in. I guess all this is to say, where is the public health system in Raccoon City? Think real hard. When was the last time that public health was portrayed positively in a TV show or movie or video game? As someone who doesn't watch many movies or TV shows, I certainly don't have an extensive knowledge base to give a serious answer for this, but a simple googling for the most popular disaster films, zombie movies, pandemic films, or similar TV shows and video games, etc. quickly gives the impression that no, public health is rarely shown as a positive force, if mentioned at all. Listeners, if you know any movies that do portray public health and its related fields in a positive light, please let us know. It would be an interesting uh, piece of media to examine. But back to the topic, why is this? Why isn't public health portrayed positively in popular media? The obvious answer is public health, unfortunately, isn't in the public's consciousness all that much. So the writers of these video games, movies, or TV shows just don't think about public health when they are in the writing room. And it shows. Oftentimes, it seems like no safeguards or regulations exist, and the government is just sort of ineptly dancing in the background and not actually doing anything proactively. And the timeline is sort of just there was an issue and then immediately after societal collapse. This is unfortunate in one way and problematic in another. Unfortunate because public health isn't more popular when it's actually quite awesome and one of the goal of this podcast is to elevate public health's presence in the public consciousness. Problematic because it gives the wrong impression of how things actually work. Granted, our current public health infrastructure isn't where it should be, but still, from the Resident Evil 2 remake example, it seems like the government is simply absent, completely and utterly absent in the case of a zombie outbreak in Raccoon City. 
Another underpinning cause for this is perhaps for narrative reasons. No story can exist without some form of conflict or problem of some sort, and the easiest way to have a problem is to have something fail or not be there at all. Take Resident Evil 2. The story would be much less interesting, if not at the very least a lot less dramatic, if Raccoon City had a fully funded public health infrastructure. But like many city in America, this trash panda city does not have one, and therefore the zombie outbreak fully spread through the entire local population, destroying the city. Some disaster or zombie movies features mentions of public health system, but the system wasn't good enough for whatever reason, be it human error or collective oversight. So they didn't stop it in time, and then the actual movie starts. All this is sort of implied before the movie even happens. But I think there might be one more reason. Public health is inescapably tied with the government. There can be no public health without policies, regulations, enforcement, democracy, and community engagement, just to name a few things. Due to this fact, combined with the history and ethos of this country, many films, shows, and video games features a strong anti-establishment tone. In other words, the system is the problem. The tone can manifest in many ways from all corners of the political compass. For example, the story could present the government as corrupt, like it's a government cover-up of a government secret experiment that went wrong. Or the authorities could be presented as overly bureaucratic and inept, and didn't respond to the crisis well enough. Or the government was too passive, ignoring all the warning signs from our protagonists, or the lonely scientist waving the warning flag. Or the government is not divorced from corporate interest, and instead of enforcing the regulations, they choose to loosen them because of lobbying from corporate interests. You know, it's kind of related to corruption. Or the government didn't do what it was supposed to do, like maintain physical infrastructure, and that's what caused the catastrophic failure that led to the events of the movie. Or the government is portrayed as too weak, not securing the nation's borders well enough to protect our people. Or the government is too overreaching, infringing on individual liberties and the right to protect ourselves and wanting to control the people. Or the government is overly fascist, which is not compatible with public health whatsoever. Whatever the manifestation of this anti-establishment overtone, this is one of the reasons why public health has a dismal image in most media. We keep making movies, shows, and video games about how the government authority is bad. Where is a movie that's like, and then the government program using tax dollar money helped a bunch of people and they all lived healthy lives forever after? A closer examination of the narrative conventions film, TV shows, and video games use will reveal even more about how public health is portrayed in the media and in the public consciousness as a whole. The most prominent motif that I noticed is the hero trope. This doesn't refer to the fact that some storyline focuses on a single hero character or two, but the trope that the system is useless and there needs to be one great man—it's oftentimes a man—to save the world. Think of Die Hard, one cop saving the world, or James Bond, one secret agent saving the world, or all these superhero storylines. Not to say that systems don't play a role in those narratives, but the message is very clear: what matters is these individual acts of heroism, and the system is sort of in the background, or the system doesn't even matter, or the system is bad. It's all about one person, typically one man, saving the world. This individualism paradigm is so frequently featured in our media that is probably one of the reason why public health's collective approach is oftentimes overlooked or overshadowed. Another common pattern is the sense of inevitability. In these films, whatever disaster is currently occurring, 
It's implied that there's nothing that could have been done to prevent it. In fact, prevention is rarely mentioned in these movies. This is understandable as a movie about, say, I don't know, bridge or dam inspection probably won't make that much money. Prevention is inherently tame and understated, which is maybe why public health rarely makes an appearance in popular media. There is an entire John Oliver bit at the end of his segment on infrastructure that plays on this point. I won't spoil it. The link is in the episode description. Also, another thing that I've noticed with all these movies, while the regulatory aspect of government can often be portrayed negatively, the military and the police are often glorified. Think about this. How often are law enforcement the protagonist? All the countless cop shows that we have, and they are always super heroic. They always crack the case. They always catch the bad guy every time. There's a lot of films and TV shows and video games where the military and the police saves the day at the end. The image of the military and law enforcement has changed in recent years thanks to the several high-profile tragedies involving them, but the mainstream media still do so much free PR for them that people aren't aware of any alternative solutions to problems in our society that may not require law enforcement. Public health is not about using the threat of violence and arrest to force people to behave a certain way. Public health is about community outreach, communications, incentives, resource availability, resource distribution, local policies, and the democratic process, just to name a few things. But that is rarely featured in a piece of media, whereas law enforcement and the military are oftentimes big players in those plots. This following trope is particularly true for disaster films. The lone scientist or kook is warning everyone about the upcoming disaster, but the mainstream scientists and media ignores them to detrimental consequences. This is typically not the case in the real world. Scientists usually have a consensus on what is and isn't a major issue. The problem isn't the science, is that people don't want to listen to science. Just look at the climate crisis right now. Even multiple decades ago, scientists generally agreed that the climate is in trouble and man-made effects are changing our environment and the climate, but nobody listened. The idea that we have these disasters that no one but one person sees coming is a bit problematic because it gives the impression that scientists in general don't know what they're doing, which is not the case. And this sort of goes back to the individualism point mentioned earlier, where it's about that one person doing that heroic act going against the mainstream rather than a focus on the collective system that is there to prevent things, which admittedly not as dramatic and therefore probably won't make a good film. I get that these film shows and video games are meant to be entertainment and can't be boring. However, throughout history, the power of stories on the collective consciousness substantially shaped our perspective and behavior. Remember the satanic panic in the 70s and 80s? Largely inspired by a few really wild and most likely apocryphal cases and the countless Hollywood blockbuster that followed, like the Amneville Horror, The Exorcist. These are all stories, fictional stories, but they changed how we perceived reality. For about a decade or two, we had a moral panic about Satanism in childcare facilities and Satanism in the home and these repressed memory movements. These are all at least partially caused by these stories in our public consciousness. For public health, it's the same. These popular media affects people's attitude regarding public health and public safety. For one, depiction of these fictional apocalypse distract us from the more mundane but real apocalypse in front of us. No, there are no zombie outbreaks, but you know what is scarier and actually happening? 
The ocean is warming up, and ice caps are melting, and soon we'll have floods and extreme weather events. We are having floods and extreme weather events right now, but people don't want to focus on that because for some reason, fictional apocalypse are more interesting to look at than the real apocalypse. Stories are important, and how we tell those stories affects how we view the world. So what can we do? Well, we can do our part and change that. Not by making movies or shows or video games. I don't have the talent nor the budget, but by analyzing these pieces of media from a public health lens, introducing a new series from Everything Is Public Health. In each entry, a movie, show, or video game featuring a public health disaster or just a disaster in general will be examined, analyzed from the public health lens, and reinterpreted under the assumption that the movie takes place in a world with a great public health system. What can we learn from these hypothetical and unapologetically idealistic situations? What can we strive for? What would a fully funded and high-functioning public health system infrastructure actually look like? And how would the original disaster in the piece of media be handled under these assumptions, or perhaps be prevented entirely? Expect the end credits to roll early. The first installment will air the last week of September and feature one of the most popular zombie TV shows in recent years. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the final episode of the Interlude Between Seasons. Season four with Cass returns next week. As always, the best thing you can do to help us is by spreading the word about the podcast. Tell your friends, family, acquaintances about how important, ubiquitous, and awesome public health is. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review. It does help the show immensely. And I always love hearing from listeners. You can email us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. All the links are in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health.